Today I wanted to tell you about our new organization. It is a 501c3 nonprofit organization in Southern California. It's called the Autoimmune Community Institute. We're dedicated to health equity in autoimmune disease research, policy, and support for the communities of color, the underrepresented communities out there that don't often see themselves in disease community events, for example, and they don't see their face, a face like theirs, in their community. And we are dedicated to community-based participatory research. We're dedicated to serving the community, for example, cooling programs and also delivery services during the COVID-19 pandemic. For example, the immunocompromised community not being able to go out into public spaces due to disability or immunocompromised status from disease-modifying drugs. And we provide delivery services of essential goods, food, masks, protective gear, hand sanitizer, and so on to these communities. So please consider a donation to the Autoimmune Community Institute. You can find us at ACI, as in Autoimmune Community Institute, acicommunity.org. Welcome to COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. Thank you for listening in to this week's episode of COVID-19, Public Health Policy and Culture. In this episode, we're going to be talking about public health, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Public health is one of our favorite topics, as you probably know. And this one's so interesting because we're going to be speaking to Olivia, and her podcast is called Public Health for the Culture. So basically, it's really similar to ours. We're totally aligned, right? We're in parallel with each other because that's pretty much the first word of our podcast. And it's the last word of our podcast, Public Health Policy and Culture. And so Olivia is going to be joining us today. She'll be talking to us about public health and COVID response in Chicago. So this is a lot of fun because we're going to be talking about those different levels of government response in public health. In Chicago, it's one of the few uh, locations where public health has its own city agency, in addition to the probably county and state. Um, I don't I don't know for sure about the county information, but it's one of the few out there that has its own city public health agency. So here in California, we've got Pasadena, we've got Long Beach, we've got um, kind of San Francisco, San Francisco city and county public health. But yeah, not too often do you see a city agency. So I think that's really great that they've been able to have this and be able to respond accordingly to the pandemic, especially as we look at disproportionate rates of infection among people of color. And so we'll be talking to Olivia about what that looks like, what the landscape of COVID-19 currently looks like in Chicago and what the various restrictions have looked like and the different industries involved with COVID infection. So I hope you enjoy this episode with us and hope all's going well in your location as well.
Hello and welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. Today we're going to be talking with Olivia. She's a public health grad student and a professional located in Chicago with a public health expertise in child health and health outcomes. Welcome Olivia, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to um, be part of this podcast and this episode. Thank you. Please tell us a little bit more about you. I know you're living in Chicago. Tell us about what things have been like in Chicago. Tell me how you're doing and tell us a little bit more about you. For sure. So um, like she mentioned, my name is Olivia. I am a public health professional as well as a graduate student here in Chicago. Um, I also, uh, just a slight plug, I'm also a podcaster. Um, my podcast is Public Health for the Culture, and we talk about similar um, topics um, and other things in relation to public health. So I'm just excited for this because public health needs so many platforms, and so there are so many different topics to talk about. Um, also, I focus on child health at the moment, um, child health and family health in general. I like to think that um, my hope is that by focusing on kids, I can improve their health outcomes as they grow up so we can have um, happy, healthy kids and happy, healthy adults and everybody just lives that dream life, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's just a little bit about me. Um, in terms of Chicago right now, I think when we first started COVID, we were like one of the epicenters um, of COVID. So it's been a it's been a rocky road here a little bit, um, but but yeah, that's a little bit about me, and I'm I'm doing well. I, we're okay. We're okay here, as okay as we can be. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that you're here with us. As another public health professional, I always welcome health uh, public health conversations on the podcast. So this is great, and. Um, so tell us what's going on in terms of child health and COVID even, like what are you seeing there? Oh, that is, I feel like a huge subject. So I just want to uh, start off by saying when COVID initially happened or coronavirus happened, the focus it was a lot and it still is on um, vulnerable communities which that in terms of the age range that does include our, our older um, adults and also just kind of adults with compromised um, health um, health illnesses and things like that however in terms of child health pediatricians and other um, child health professionals have identified that COVID um, impacts children in different ways, right? So kids who may have chronic illnesses or other illnesses uh, related to respiratory issues or things like that, of course, they're part of that vulnerable population. But then when you um, also kind of dig further, children are um, experiencing um, the illness. It is the acronym MISC. I want to say, and I'm going to butcher, I'm going to butcher the, the name of it, but essentially it's the rare inflammatory um, syndrome for children. And that's one of the things that has come up, um, multi, I want to say multi-system inflammatory syndrome. And that's one of the actual um, diseases that's come up in terms of COVID in children and teens as well. So um, when we talk about COVID, it still impacts um, adults, of course, and um, older adults, but also in children, it just impacts in different ways. So it, it can cause um, kids to have MI, 
SC, which is what the acronym is for. And it's, it's very rare, but it's very dangerous. And um, that's really kind of what COVID has impacted with kids or what has come out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's really sad to hear that things are happening, uh, that children are also impacted by COVID. But at the same time, it's really good and necessary that we've actually been able to bring attention to this, thinking that at the beginning of COVID, it only affects certain populations. It doesn't affect certain races. It doesn't affect certain age groups. It only affects those who are already chronically ill. And then finding out that, no, it affects everybody in different ways. It's really, I'm just actually really glad that we're able to identify this now at this point so we can address it. Definitely. And I think um, just speaking from Chicago in general, one of the thought processes uh, or one of the things that has come up is that Chicago definitely has its share of health disparities. And by that, um, we want, you know, in public health, we have these words, health disparities, social determinants of health. But essentially, it's it's people's lived environments, right? So it's uh, the social determinants of health is where people grow up, they're born, they live, they work, they age. Um, it includes socioeconomic status, education, employment, and other networks, and also including access to healthcare. So here in Chicago, when we already have these um, limitations and barriers to healthcare and really um, improving people's quality of life, so then when COVID hit, it was just like a bomb. You know, it was it's it was dropped and communities that already are impacted by these health impactors and disparities, it's it's even uh, more so. If if I can, I can share a couple statistics that I found from the Illinois Department of Public Health and Mm -hmm. the Chicago Department of Public Health. I believe that this might be, and in terms of public health departments, this might be the same or maybe different for other states, but Illinois, of course, operates in its own way, and that's um, counties and cities and everything outside of the Chicago area. And so just in general right now, um, Illinois has had um, confirmed about 176,000 confirmed cases. And unfortunately, um, there have been over 7,000 deaths from COVID. And when we look at the statistics even further per 100,000 people um, by race and ethnicity, the the most impacted communities have been um, the Hispanic or Latino, Latinx communities, and also the Black and African American communities. And we know that um, these communities already are very much um, experiencing, in a lot of places, these communities are already hard hit by a lot of health impactors. So COVID, again, just kind kind of reinforced force that, so to speak, and added another burden. And just in Chicago, in general, that's the same pattern. So you have, um, by race and ethnicity, the confirmed cases for COVID, of course, are um, highest in the Latinx community, and then also the Black and African American communities. Mm -hmm. So um, again, Chicago and really Illinois, it's no different from anywhere else in terms of heavy hit, how hit it's been or how how hard these communities have been hit but also um the the fact that these are communities that seemingly are are always kind of at the top of the the totem pole when we want to say um who's heavily impacted 
Definitely. So we're seeing the same thing here in California. Um, it's not a coincidence and the trends are similar. Um, I'm really curious in terms of context and landscape. So here in California, we've seen this trend definitely impacting the Latinx um, um, community disproportionately just because California tends to have a higher uh, percentage or a minority, minority majority city, for example, in, in Los Angeles. And overall, I think maybe the state is similarly um, structured in terms of demographics at the moment. So we're seeing that it's primarily in, impacting the Hispanic Latinx community. We're seeing this in terms of factory work, a lot of service work, um, pretty much anytime there's this thing that we often say, like if you're, if you go to any ethnic restaurant of any kind, you will find someone who's Mexican or Latino Latinx actually cooking the food. Mm -hmm. And so there are always um, Hispanic Latinx populations in these service industries, in the food growing industry, we have a huge central California region of growing crops. And mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of um, disease spread over there as well. So I'm really curious in terms of like, we have factories even in Los Angeles, meat packing, things like that. What types of industries are you seeing in trends of, in terms of landscape and health disparities in Chicago? Oh, that is a very good question. I think it's similar. So Chicago does have uh, one of the things that we are known for, so to speak, is food, right? Um, but when we talk about food, we actually don't talk about the fact that a lot of people here don't necessarily have access to uh, food. So there's a lot of food deserts. And uh, it's similar here when you think about who is in the service industry or who is, is quote unquote, considered an essential worker. Um, it's it's generally these populations so at uh, latinx or black and african americans i think when we when i think about chicago's landscape i do want to say that we do have factories um some of our major ones have been closed down for years but we do have that we do have the um the service industry in terms of, of waitressing or hostess or cooks um, and then I feel like we have a big healthcare landscape, but in terms of the healthcare, I look at the nursing home. So who's a CNA, who's a medical assistant, and who are the doctors and the nurses and, and those professionals, right? So I think from what I observe um, in, in that regard, I do see Latinx and um, African-Americans generally being um, maybe the CNA certified nurses assistants or medical assistants. And then you maybe um, see counterparts, so whites or those who don't, or white people or those who don't identify as black or Latinx in more of these um, positions of power, so to speak. So I think that's what our landscape looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why some of these communities have been hit hard because a lot of these, um, a lot of the essential worker positions are held by people of color. And so when you're kind of put in these um, positions to have to work and then you're being exposed to the virus, it can increase um, your, your ability of contracting it um, and, you know, possibly having health effects from that. Mm -hmm, so yeah. that's just kind of my take on our landscape. I think I, I think I narrowed it down. I know we have a bunch of other things that I might be forgetting because you asked me the question. <laughs> which normally, no, which normally happens. It's like, you know, all this information until somebody asks you and you're like, well, I know nothing. Um, but that's just, <laughs> that's just what I kind of can gather right now. And I, I think that pretty much sums up what Chicago kind of looks like.
Mm-hmm. I see. And so in terms of what's open, what's closed at the moment, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so right now the city of Chicago is in phase four, um, and I believe Illinois is in phase four as well. So we have, again, our city and our state is separate. Our major city and our of uh, state are separate in terms of their responses, although uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot and also Governor um, Pritzker have Definitely, I've seen them be on the same page for certain things, but of course they handle different parts of the state in general, right? So um, they have to kind of stay together on certain things, but then they also have to um, kind of deal with what comes in the territories that they operate. And so for Chicago right now, what I'm seeing is pretty much everything is open. It's just with limited capacity or, um, or with, or with requirements, of course, the mass requirements and with restrictions. I do know our movie theaters aren't open right now. Um, and so people have gotten creative with like the drive of movies and things like that. So I feel like activities that require people to be super together are not open. Um, but in terms of activities that can kind of be limited. So for example, like a gym class, we have those open, but as of recently, I believe on Friday, last Friday, or this Friday, um, it's been effective that these classes, we were able to have up to 12 or something like that, but now they've been um, restricted to, I think about a minimum of 10 people. So we have seen um, some opening in there and I'm just speaking on Chicago in general. Mm -hmm. For Illinois, um, I believe other things are open in the parts of the state. And just just to give people a picture, I know if you've never been to Chicago, I think one of the the things the media does is you hear about Chicago a lot, right? So you hear Chicago, Chicago. But what you have to realize is that just like any other state, we have our suburbs, we have our city suburbs. And so it's very, it's very laid out. So when you think about Illinois, some of Illinois is considered um, the rural areas all the way to some of the city areas that don't touch the Chicago kind of border. And that's what Governor Prisker um, handles. So when we think about what's opening there, if there, it's a more rural town, they probably have things more up and running. But if it's like uh, we have a suburb, Bolingbrook, for example, it's more populated. So their restrictions are still kind of, you know, like no large gatherings, things like that. Um, and theirs are a little more similar to Chicago. So um, I think that's what, that's generally what I'm seeing right now. We, we're on our It seems like we're on a good track, but also we've had some regression in certain counties and areas, and so they're kind of staying steady with the phase that we're in right now before moving forward. Mm -hmm. So in your opinion, it sounds like things are going pretty well. People are paying attention. There's there's restrictions as needed. A number of people in in gyms and spaces has um, changed over time based on the conditions. What do you think needs to be improved at the moment? I, oh, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm a little bit of a rebel. Like, I, I think that there are a lot of things that need to be improved, but I will say for me, I would, I would like people to um, listen a little bit more. So Chicago, we are making progress. And <laughs> when you think about progress, um, just off the bat, you, you can Google, you know, IDPH or CDPH and 
what'll come up is like Chicago's in phase four and you know we're seeing x y and z but in reality when you're on social media or seeing our news we are um not moving in the right direction because I do think that people are getting a little lax and when I say lax um I think it's you know not wearing your mask fully or maybe if you do attend a gym class, you know, you're not necessarily social distancing the way you should be. And then also we do have um, the, um, I don't want to say op opposers, but like protesters who may not feel that the virus is real or, um, you know, it might be an imposing on their rights. And so I, for me, I think improvements need to still be that people should listen. Um, and by that, I mean, if you're going into a business, the business owner's responsibility is to um, enforce these restrictions for the health and safety of everyone. And I'd also still like to see improved access to health care and all the other things that come with um, improved quality of life. That's the public health professional in me. Mm -hmm. So communities that's, that have been hit especially hard um, they're still, you know, they're still trying to, trying to get on their feet. And so what that means is um, better housing situations or access to employment because their employer has still not opened up or maybe they were laid off. I, I want to see a lot more programming um, improvement as well. So and that a lot more people can partake in. Um, I think that that's one of the barriers that I see is that we do, we are getting some um, rollouts for programs that can help people, whether it's rent assistance or utility assistance. However, it's very limited. And to me, I feel like because this is a pandemic and because it's, for one, a pandemic that we, you know, the virus we've never encountered necessarily, but we do have historical um, things to look at to say, well, if X happened, this was our response. This response didn't help, so maybe we need to ramp it up. That's just how, that's what I think. So with the city and the state's response, I totally think that Chicago has been doing an amazing job. However, I still think that improvements need to be made in terms of the um, just the enforcing or emphasizing of the restrictions and the masking and also um, programming to residents or you know community members to community i love your public health perspective that you referred to <laughs> here is social determinants of health not just about the pandemic the illness but also talking about housing assistance and the yeah. need for additional programs to serve the population i think yeah. that's really important i love your perspective on what needs to be improved and then also i love the fact that chicago does have its own public health agency uh, separate i mean uh, separate but connected related um, to yeah. state um, I think that also serves for a more proactive a more responsive approach to public health just knowing that Chicago is being protected and um, served through public health agency the public health agency of its own and I think that's awesome Absolutely. I, I couldn't, to be honest with you, I, <laughs> because, you know, we have, we have our history, right? Everybody who hears Chicago is just like, oh my God, or Illinois, you know, we're one of those rogue states, like, you don't know what's going to happen. But I do definitely commend our leadership, because I think that with the way our landscape is made up, if there wasn't a, as quick of a response, we could have even had um, more disparities or or more 
poor outcomes um, than we have, you know, that we're just going to happen naturally. But I, I do commend them for working together. I know it can be um, hard, especially um, when it comes to politics and things like that, which I don't necessarily get into because <laughs> I'm like, I just want everybody to be healthy and happy. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, um, but I do, I do commend Chicago and um, Illinois, the state of Illinois for coming together. And um, they really, they really targeted like healthcare or public health and healthcare professionals to be like, what do we need to do? They are, are, um, they worked with public health and the best in the city or you know epidemiologists and Mm -hmm. everybody to be like how can we coordinate these efforts Mm -hmm. um to make sure that people have what they need and although of course as a public health professional I feel like nothing is ever enough because it just isn't Mm -hmm. (laughs) until a lot of these things are gone um I do think that I'm happy with what I I see and I saw and I kind of continue to see it's it's you know can't ask for too much but I'm still going to ask for more (laughs) thank you for what you do to help promote public health in chicago and in illinois and so how do you practice self-care you know you work full-time you're helping to serve communities and health how do you practice self-care for yourself oh well i don't (laughs) oh no (laughs) (laughs) no um i to be honest with you i've been lacking i think that this pandemic is it impacted us a lot whether you know it was maybe employment or something like that or just your mental health it impacted us a lot so for me what I've continued to do or what I've tried to do is um continue to or have um telehealth therapy sessions with a therapist um I'm so pro therapy Mm -hmm. um one of my podcast episodes is actually with um the director of NAMI Chicago the National Alliance for Mental Illness Mm -hmm. um that chapter here because I think that it's not just speaking with a therapist to get your thoughts out but it's also um at, they give you resources too, right? So one of the things that she mentioned in the interview, one of the things I've experienced, if I'm maybe having, I don't know, if I was having um, housing trouble, they could connect me with resources for housing. Or if I was having employment trouble, hey, you might want to check out this website. You kind of, it's kind of a support network outside of maybe your close friends or family. And that's something that I've really kind of held on to um, throughout this pandemic. And Tele, telehealth um, is definitely a great one for those who um, may not be comfortable going into an office or um, if your therapist's office isn't open, that doesn't mean that you stop therapy or you have to stop per se. Um, you can ask them um, if your insurance covered, a lot of insurance have changed right now, so they're allowing telehealth services. And so you can ask about that. So that's one of my self-care practices, definitely therapy mm-hmm. too. Um, I just need to mention, I got a furry friend. He's, I call him a COVID dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so right before our shelter in place happened, um, I adopted and I was like, okay, well, this is kind of, you know, scary because I thought we were going to be able to go to dog parks and stuff. But <laughs> um, since that didn't happen, but it actually helped, you know, just to have something else to focus on, to be honest. So not to tell people to go out and get a dog or a cat or a fish, but just to give you something else to focus on outside of being on the computer, being on a Zoom call um, and, and kind of worrying, right? So 
And then I think the last thing I try to do is just take time away from electronics. In general, I am like, so I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, so technologyed out. And um, I just think this pandemic has definitely kind of forced it on us, even if we were already involved in social media and stuff, it's different, right? We were doing it at our leisure, but now some of us are working from home or doing whatever work it is. It's on a computer or it's through the TV or, you know, your phone, whatever it is. So I just try to take quick breaks from that and maybe go for a walk or maybe, I don't know, clean up, paint something, whatever it is to kind of just get my eyes away from a screen. So those are just a few kind of self-care things I've been trying to do mm-hmm. <laughs> during the pandemic. <laughs> I think it's so helpful. I think you've mentioned some really important ones, getting therapy and getting a puppy. We did the same thing. We have a puppy here. Oh, no way. Yeah, a lot of work, right? A lot oh, of work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's really nice. It does lighten up the mood mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. So tell us now, this is an important question. What does the world need to hear at this time, in your opinion? Oh, oh my gosh, they're asking me. (laughs) I think the world just just needs to hear. (sighs) That's a good question. Just needs to hear to be kind to yourself. I know that is like super cliche at this time, but... Someone told me that and it stuck with me. So um, just being kind to yourself, like whether um, if, if, for example, like you're into fitness and these past couple months, you obviously couldn't do as much as you could do if you were going to a gym or a class, just know that the body that you're in and your brain and whoever's around you, like you, you've been going through something that hasn't happened. So your body's probably in fight or flight mode or whatever it is being kind to yourself and just knowing that you're doing the best you can even if some days mean that you just don't do anything is okay I think that's um really beneficial and I think we're in a society in a time that we just feel we productivity has to be tangible right so if I'm not typing out this social media post or whatever it is I haven't done anything when in reality just us waking up taking a minute to take in the air calling our parents like whatever it is for us um it's okay and so just being kind to yourself being kind to your decision making can really help in just kind of taking it one day at a time Mm -hmm. thank you I think we forget to do that so often just Mm -hmm. being kind to ourselves yeah I think that's important I think the world does need to hear that I agree Thank you. I, you know, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. No, you're doing so good. You can also tell the world to maybe look up a couple jokes. Can I also like jokes? I'm like, you know, some, something that makes you feel good. And um, whatever that means for you, being kind to yourself, something that just makes you feel good and kind of just, you know, pushes this, this heavy air that we have mm-hmm. uh, right now away. Yeah, I'm sure you're doing good and your puppy appreciates you too. Oh my gosh, he just, I think he overappreciates me because he's actually very, he's a very spoiled puppy. So there's <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, spoil our puppies. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. How can we get in connection with you online and on social media? How can we find out more about public health for the culture podcast and, and learn more about you? 
Absolutely. Um, so you can email me at publichealthfortheculture.com. It's just uh, public health spelled out for the culture.com and for spelled out, everything spelled out. <laughs> and then also on Instagram and Facebook, um, it's at the real public health. And then on Twitter, it's at real pub health underscore. So those are the ways I'm on social media, or if you just want to Gmail, you can Gmail me. Great. Thank you so much, Olivia. I loved having this conversation about public health with you. I learned about Chicago. One day I'll be there. I hear so much about the hot dogs. I love the pizza. And I am looking forward to learning more about the Absolutely. We would love to have you. And it's such a common misconception. Not all Chicagoans eat deep dish. That's a thing that I don't know where it came from. <laughs> oh, okay. but, um, I'm definitely not a deep dish person. I'm thin crust and we have some amazing thin crust. So just to, just to let you guys know out there, do not be misled. We have other pizzas. <laughs> mm -hmm. Important information. Important information. <laughs> all right, thank you. Thank you. So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC or your computer. And then Anchor distributes your podcast for you so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership. And it's all you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're new to podcasting and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, that's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And, uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. hope you enjoyed this episode if you have any questions any burning questions about COVID-19 feel free to send me a message in anchor anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC is our website and until next time stay well and take good care out there <laughs>